Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us, and God is in all truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet, from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Good morning, and welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, liberation, empowerment. We're promoting the knowledge that's engaging and transforming, and we're here to help you, our listeners, to knowing, being, doing, and impacting the world around you. And as you always can welcome to join us on this illuminating journey, several ways you can do it. Uh, primary way is by calling 347-237-5230. That's the number to call to get your thoughts, insights on the air. Uh, also, you can uh, go to the chat room. The chat room is open. And that is simply go to blogtalkradio.com. And you can uh, get in on the chat line. Excuse me. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Zero Radio, or my my personal Twitter is at Prophesy, Periscope, at Prophesy4, so follow us on Periscope, follow us on um, on all social media, on Facebook, go to our Facebook page, Zero Network, like this Facebook page, and follow us there, we love you, if you want to send me an email, you can send it to me at PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com, those are the ways that you can get on with us and share with us, we love hearing from you. Uh, no specific topic this morning. We're just going to be going, you know, shooting a shooting the breeze, kind of keeping it easy, mellow. Uh, so there's a there's a plethora of things to talk about. Of course, uh, we want to uh, first send congratulations and oh, let's go to prayer first, and then we'll talk about a few things. Uh, I, I I got a question in a, a Facebook. Facebook group that I'm in uh, with pastors and pending questions about what is the um, biggest threat to Christianity today. So I'm going to offer some of my my thoughts on that and also a couple other issues uh, and situations and topics of interest, I think, may be uh, fun 
and you might enjoy it. But let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you for today. Thank you for this last day, this last Wednesday of January, the first month of 2016. We thank you for bringing us thus far along the way. Now, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer is our prayer in your name. Amen. Let me lead off the broadcast by first uh, extending congratulations uh, to Pastor Jamal Jamal Bryant. Pastor Jamal Bryant on this last weekend was inducted as the youngest pastor, the youngest preacher, youngest person inducted into the Civil Rights Walk of Fame uh, this weekend. So we want to say congratulations to him. He has been stepping up in spite of, you know, some some issues he had in the past. You know, it, it's good when a person not reinvent themselves, began to be, but began to be that authentic self. And he's taking his challenges and he's He's not let them defeat them, but he's overcome them, and he's um, become one of the uh, one of the greatest leaders of this generation, of this uh, millennium. So far, he's he's stepped up to the plate on a lot of the social issues. Uh, some black preachers have been avoiding, and he's still not without controversy. <laughs> still not without controversy, but he is uh, making strides in the right direction. So we want to send accommodations and congratulations to him. Also, we want to extend our condolences to Pastor E. Uh, Dewey Smith. Um, if you're not familiar with Pastor uh, him, uh, pastors in the Atlanta area, wonderful ministry, blessed man of God, uh, one of the pastors that I admire. Not only can he preach, but he's a person of integrity and um, intelligence, and I just admire that greatly. But this year, uh, this month has been tough for him. Lost his mother uh, at the beginning of the year, and his sister just passed away a few days ago. So you can only imagine uh, the emotional turmoil he's experiencing, and he's been very transparent about what he's experiencing. So I solicit your prayers and thoughts for him and his family as they uh, mourn and celebrate the lives of his mother and his sister. So uh, don't think it robbery to share and send your prayers and thoughts toward him in it uh, for the, during this time of mourning. And the final words of congratulations are extended to uh, the Reverend Dr. Um, Betty um, Clark, Betty D. Clark, who is the newly appointed pastor of the Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston, South Carolina, or Mother Emmanuel, as she's come to be known, and she has been known, um, uh, uh, Bishop, Richard, Bishop Richard Norse, who is the presiding prelate of the Seventh Episcopal District of the African Methodist Episcopal Church, appointed her uh, during their mid-year meeting, and it's a great thing because uh, Dr. B, Dr. Betty is, she has the heart of Christ the love of Christ, and she has that kind of like that grandmotherly, motherly. She she has that nature on her. She's a loving person, and and uh, I think she's a great, great appointment appointment for such a time as this. Um, this this next month, we will be celebrating uh, the birthday of our founder, Bishop Richard Allen, and this year we will be celebrating the. 
200th anniversary of our first general conference. Uh, this will be our 50th uh, quadrennial general conference. And uh, 200 years ago, Bishop Richard Allen and several other uh, pastors uh, came together to form what uh, is now known as the African Methodist Episcopal Church. And so uh, we celebrate that and we'll be observing uh, those saints who were who were killed. We'll be observing them during this year also, recognizing and setting aside time for that. But um, uh, Dr. Dees and presiding other uh, golf are uh, uh, working together, they will still be working together. Uh, presiding elder golf will still be uh, overseeing the church as as regular. You know, making sure quarterly and things are uh, conferences are going to, uh, are in place. So it's it's keep them in prayer. The members of Mother Emmanuel and uh, Dr. Clark as they go forth into a new year and a new season under her leadership. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, and praying God's blessings on her, and continue to remember the nine, the lives of those nine persons who lost, who were lost at that time. So it is what it is. I guess um, I lost my train of thought just that quick. Uh, yeah, I guess it's not been that important. So there's a, there's a lot. I, I I'm going to talk about a lot of stuff. Let me get into this um, political sphere just for a moment. Just for a moment. Um, next week will be the uh, Iowa caucus and the two front runners in that on the Republican side are of course Donald Trump, Ted Cruz, and uh, Ben Carson is still in there, and there are others who are still in there. They're scheduling to have a debate on Thursday uh, tomorrow. Uh, it's the final debate before the Republican caucus in in uh, Iowa. But what has been getting what's getting me is <laughs> how divided the evangelical church, uh, the white evangelical church, has been. I, I say white because. Uh, most blacks who consider themselves evangelicals are usually democratic leaning. It's not always the case, but usually that's the case. But these these Christians are divided because they don't know whether to vote for Trump or Cruz or uh, Mike Huckabee or uh, who's the other guy, uh, Marco Rubio or Ben Carson. They don't want to vote for Ben Carson because he's seven-day Adventist. And you know that's not Christian enough for them. You know that that doesn't fit their Christian uh, that particular slant of Christian Christianity. So they're not really supporting Carson anymore. They weren't really only supporting him because he was black and he was uh, not a politician. That was really on the reason. You know, but then he started saying weird stuff, and the weirder he, the more strange things he said, the the more you know he slipped in the polls. But Trump and Cruz are neck and neck, and they're appealing, or at least Trump is attempting to appeal to these uh, conservative evangelical Christians, particularly in Iowa, because that's what it, that's what they want to hear. He got the endorsement of Jerry Falwell Jr., who is the 
uh, Chancellor of Liberty University. And many of you, if you heard when he did that speech last last week at Liberty University, instead of saying Second Corinthians, he said Two Corinthians. <laughs> and you know, it just showed how Ill- biblically illiterate he is, how little concern he is about Christianity. Uh, and things like that. and on the flip side, you have Ted Cruz, who who uh, who who uh, is strongly evangelical in some in some ways, I guess, and does not have the fact that he's a Christian and born grand, born again, all this stuff. But uh, you know, they're 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 divided on it. And then on the flip side, on the Democrat side, I just read this story uh, today. Bernie Sanders, you know, and Hillary Clinton are they're the two leads on the Democrat side for for Iowa caucus. Now, Hillary, I Hillary is a politician. She's going to say whatever she has to say to get elected. I've seen her at churches, and you know, she tried to even one speech. She tried to tune up like a black preacher because that's what people want to hear. She tries to come across as a sincere, loving person, and you know, is is just not that at all. It's far from it. Yeah, people want to vote for it, they can vote for it. That's that's their they're able to do that. Uh she is not a a, a professing Christian per se. She's not gonna say she's evangelical. She's not pandering to uh evangelicals or Christian voters at all. She's just she knows she's going to get them because she's Hillary Clinton. She's Bill's wife. But Bernie Sanders is an interesting person. Bernie Sanders is not just a, a self, I mean, outright socialist. He he's proud. He wears that that title, that badge, that he wears that proudly. But he's basically non-religious. He he he's not pandering to the religious at all. Uh, he is just straightforward. You know. Putting uh, himself out there as one who, if he is qualified, he's qualified. If he's elected, he'll do what he needs to do to put forth his, you know, carry out his agenda, his proposed agenda. That doesn't include religion. Now, he knows that to get the black vote, he'll have to come across that way. He may not like it. He'll have to go to churches. He'll have to meet with ministers, you know. (laughs) He may not, uh, if Clinton does not win in Iowa next week, and Bernie wins, Bernie Sanders wins, then he's going to have to bite the bullet and pick up this religious mantle, whether he wants to or not, because, hey, that's just the way it is here in the, in the in America. You know, you Americans love your religions and your gods. So that's what he's pandering to. He's going to have to. But it's just interesting to me how this whole... Uh, uh, presidential sphere is is shaping up, and I'm prayerful. I I I'm I'm prayerful, not because I'm just you know honestly, I I have no no person I directly endorse or support. Uh, I don't endorse candidates anyway personally. Uh, but it's just the fact that the the reality not the reality but the uh. The candidate's uh, religious appeal isn't what's driving the election right now. It is for the evangelicals. 
in on the conservative side, on the Republican side, it is. It's all about that. You still have those pro-lifers. You still have uh, all these other, you know, whatever it may be, uh, uh, Christian evangelicals who who are going to vote not from reason, but religion, and not really religion, but their skewed perspective of it. You know, so it is what it is. Um, but this is just turning out to be a, an interesting election. And we'll find out how it works on on uh, on next week. Find out who gets what and who goes what. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's what I wanted to uh, that's what I wanted to see. Uh Monday there was the show called Lucifer that premiered on Fox. And uh, I watched it. I, I don't get it. Seems fun. It, well, not fun. Seems interesting, but the plot is the you know it's just the same old thing, you know. Satan has, decides to take a break from heaven. I mean, from hell, <laughs> not heaven, from hell. Puts on him and um, it, I. Same old, same old. But there are some Christians who are up in arms just because, just because, um, you know, this show titled Lucifer is on television. I don't know why people bother to even protest such things, but they are doing it, and they feel irrelevant for doing it. So more power to them. But for me, you know, it's it's not a big deal. Not a big deal at all. I, uh, it is what it is. I'm having problems with my my headphone here. Try to see. I can't hear myself. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, so you hear the echo. It's because I got. I got uh, this extra little thing going on trying to hear myself. So what I'm going to do is try to fix this and come back. And So I'm talking a little bit about this question that was posed to my uh, group, um, a Facebook group that I'm in on with pastors. And uh, what is the greatest threat? What is the biggest threat to the church today? Uh, that's that's what I'm talking about. But, I, you know, like I said, no specific topic I uh, that I have, and um, we'll, we'll go from there. So I'll take a quick break. Be right back. Today, we stand against the tyranny of single-mile credit cards. Battle speech, right? Huh? May I? For too long, people have settled for single miles. With the Capital One Venture Card, you'll earn double miles on every purchase every day. Hawaii, here we come. So sign up today for a venture card at CapitalOne.com. And start earning double. What's in your wallet? Can you play games on that? Not on the runway. Oh. I wasn't born to push papers. I was born to push myself. To go where I'm needed this country safe. I was born with the backbone and brain power to take on any mission. This is my office. I was born ready. Go Coast Guard. 
At Farmers, we make you smarter about insurance because what you don't know can hurt you. What if you didn't know that posting your travel plans online may attract burglars? Off to Hawaii. What if you didn't know that as the price of gold rises, so should the coverage on your jewelry? Ah. What if you didn't know that kitty litter can help you out of a slippery situation? The more you know, the better you can plan for what's ahead. Talk to farmers and get smarter about your insurance. We are farmers. Bum, ba, da, bum, 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 bum. Those of you who've listened to my show uh, realize that uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, my computer crashed on me, and I had lost just, I thought I lost just about everything on my computer, all my important files and documents. But then I remembered that I had security. I had my files backed up automatically by Carbonite.com. Now, here's the good thing about Carbonite.com. They have the same encrypted technology that is used uh, for security, uh, e-commerce, transactions, all that stuff. They got it, right? And then they house it in state-of-art data centers that's guarded 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I wasn't worried because I knew my files were automatically backed up. And here's the good thing. I, I didn't have to worry about retrieving them either because I could access my files from any computer anywhere in the world. So if, if, if you, you feel like you're going to lose your stuff, I recommend Carbonite.com because that's the place to go. You don't have to worry about the cost either because they have a price for every budget you can imagine. Not only that, but if you go to that site today, you could get a 15-day free trial right now if you go in today. That's Carbonite.com for all your online backing needs. All they do is back up your files online. They don't do anything else. You can be guaranteed that all of your important documents, everything that you love on your computer will be safe and secure. Check them out today at Carbonite.com for your online backup. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. All right, welcome back to Twitter today. I'm your host, Pastor Benjamin. And we We're back on this Wednesday morning, the last Wednesday of the first month of 2016. Time is filled with swift transition. Anyway. So, uh, you know, I was planning for the show, and I had a lot of stuff that I wanted to talk about, and I, I kept having problems planning, you know, programming. And so I, I, I was like, man, you know, just we'll just just ramble, you know, ramble on. And <laughs> but I always find stuff that's interesting. So I found some, you know, this morning as I was on Facebook. Um, one of my groups that I'm in, I'm in so many Christian groups and uh, uh, not always not so Christian groups. <laughs> but uh, one group that's on me is pastors on Facebook. And uh, one person asked the question, what is the greatest threat or biggest threat to Christianity today? And I saw several answers. I thought those were all viable answers. Uh, one was one person answered carnality, you know, in the flesh. 
another person answer greed. Uh, another person answered, um, of course, sin. Um, and I answered, along with another person, I, I answered that it was the church itself. The church itself has become the biggest threat. Now, let me unpack that as best I can. Um, the reason I say the church has become the church itself has become its greatest debt, threat, biggest threat. You just look at the the environment of the church, universal, the Catholic Church universal, not the Roman Catholic, but the Church universal, um, and you will see why I say that we're our biggest threat. Now, I'm not talking about just because we're divided, and in America alone, there are at least 3,000 different uh, denominations and associations under the title of Christianity. That includes Christian science. That includes the the Latter-day Saints, the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. That includes Jehovah Witnesses. And then you have those other groups that are not so Christian but carry the Christian banner. Like, um, for example, you have when you talk about Apostolic and Pentecostal and all those subgroups in that. Um, so, just by being divisive, as divisive as we are, divided as we are, we are against ourselves because. Even Jesus said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. And and we we are more than divided. And then once you get into social and political spheres, it's even more divided. Uh, because you know, you have those who who agree on particular who have certain social ideals. You realize that most of the founding fathers of this country were really not Christian in the sense that we understand as an you know as evangelical Christianity teaches it in America today, you know, that all the founding fathers were Christians and this is a Christian nation. No, they weren't. Matter of fact, Thomas Jefferson himself was a de- most of them were deists. They believed in some form of God, the supreme being. Uh, we know Thomas Jefferson, we know Ben Franklin and George Washington and several others who signed the uh, Declaration of Independence were Masons, and they believed in some form of higher power. Uh, most of them were congregational, you know, members of brethren assemblies and stuff like that. Uh, but most of them were not, as we would call, born-again Christians. They weren't. That's just the reality. The other thing about it is that most of them uh, saw God as this creator being who is kind of out of the scene, right, out of the mix. He set this up, and now he's letting it go all by itself. And however it works itself out is how it works itself out. So some ascribe to that view of faith. 
But when it comes down to the political arena today, as I just said before in the last segment before the break, uh, you have those, particularly here in the South, who believe that Jesus, now <laughs> Jesus was a Christian, <laughs> he wasn't. Jesus, now it was Jesus a Christian, but Jesus was an American Christian that he believed in the freedom of religion. He believed in uh, people's right to carry guns and all this stuff. You know, he'd be registered as a Republican if he was in America. We know that not to be true, but that's what some people believe. You can't stop them from believing that. And then, you know, you have those who are, uh, this is the hard one. They're uh, spiritualists, mostly, you know. The interwoven beliefs of ancient mysticism, ancient, ancient Gnosticism, ancient uh, those who come from uh, Western African areas, you know, the ancient ancestral worship and um, nature worship, and all those kind of things. It's it's a it's a very divisive sphere. But I stand that we are our own worst enemy. For example, it's Christians who do show some of the most hateful speech and rhetoric toward other Christians. It just amazes me. Folks, I'll give you an example. Uh there was this there was this one athlete, uh there were two two athletes and this was a professional game. Two athletes were pitted against each other, both professing Christians, uh, both professing Christians, and both uh, uh, very good athletes. Whites, there were some Christians, and largely a lot, uh, a lot of whites uh, supported one because you know he was outspoken about his Christianity. Not only was he outspoken about it, but you know to them. He was the ultimate uh, type of Christian athlete. And the other, although not as outspoken about Christianity, uh, did things that reflected his Christianity. You know, both of them did things that reflected their Christianity. They both gave. They both served. But uh, because one was not as vocal about Christianity, and they were both in this very uh, this intense athletic event, uh, the one that was less vocal received the most uh, hateful rhetoric. And I was reading some of the some of the uh, comments about it, and I was just like, "Wow, I cannot believe these folk, are, you know, saying he shouldn't thank God." And, you know, it was kind of crazy stuff. And then you have churches like Westboro Baptist Church in Kansas, and you know the hate that they spew under the guise of being Christians, you know, holding up the blood-stained banner of Christ and Ten Commandments and whatnot, yet they protest the funerals of those soldiers who gave their lives. They protest other, you know, they just protest anything. <laughs> if it's not them and their family, they're going to protest it because they believe that they're right. Can't stop them from believing that. You have Charismatics, you have Pentecostals, you have good old Baptists who don't die but they multiply. 
<laughs> you have a, uh, it, it's so much. And, you know, we, I Methodist, we Methodists, we just, we just there. We, <laughs> we don't fit into anything. You know, we have our, our method and some would say that, you know, we're just crazy. We're too staunch. We're too rigid. Uh, we, 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 we're just, we're just, we're just, um, and it is what it is. There's some things you just won't be able to pacify. But, um, when I was reading some of the comments, let me see if I pull up some, um, here, um. Uh, give me a second. You know we 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 want to we want to always try to try to try to make Christianity monolithic, and reality is Christianity has never been monolithic. It's never been since the first, actually since the the fourth chapter of Acts. It, you know, it's never been a single fold thing. Listen, this is one of the statements. Uh, <laughs> one person said, uh, pastor not preaching the gospel. Another said, preachers dating their members. I don't know. <laughs> you, you know, it, it, it's funny. It, it is funny that somebody Ooh. write wrote that, that particular answer. I, I remember reading the book, um, uh, a month of Sundays, and I can't think of the author's name. But uh, the month, a month of Sunday, talks about this pastor. He was Episcopal pastor, Episcopalian pastor, and who somehow ended up being an adulterer. He had an affair with the organ player. He had an affair with a, another man's wife, and so to uh, eventually, when he got caught having an affair with the other man's wife. Instead of uh, instead of firing him, his uh, his Episcopal board sent him to this uh, uh, rehab facility, basically, you know, kind of to get him rehabilitated so he could go back to ministry. And long story short, uh, he he the story deals about his his uh, theological journey during this stint in rehab. I just thought that was fun, but you know, some people, some people would say this is destroying the church. You know, preachers who can't keep them head, their hands to themselves, and of course, we know in the Roman Catholic Church that almost destroyed the the American Roman Catholic Church, it cost them billions of dollars to settle lawsuits from preach uh, priests who had abused uh, boys and girls, and then they were moved and so so, so forth and so on. And in the black church, uh, it's always funny to me, in the black church, I can't speak for the white church, but I know in the black church, you can get away with just about everything till you touch the money. I know pastors who have run through their congregation, and I mean run through them, got children with members and everything, still preaching, but they got fired the the moment they started messing with the church money. And that ain't that ain't ever good. Here's some other here's some other comments. Listen to this. The silly notion held by so many in the church that they do not have to obey the Lord's commandment. It is the greatest deception 
of all. That's what one um, one one person wrote. I don't understand what I don't. I, I don't. I'm not even going to try to go into interpreting what they mean by obeying the Lord's commandment. Um, and you know, we I know we talk about the Decalogue and I know about all this stuff, but you know, honestly, all of us break the commandments. All of us, all of us, um, we really we don't hear here to because uh, most churches break the the, the uh, what's the, the the commandment on keeping the Sabbath. We don't keep the Sabbath. We don't even observe the Sabbath. We go to church on Sunday. We don't rest. Even on Sundays now, we don't observe that <laughs> because if we're not on church at church, we're at a football game. Yeah, or we're watching the football game. So, you know, whether it's about keeping the Lord's commandments or not, you know, there's going to be saying that. And, uh, what else? What else? Uh, lack of unity. Yeah, we, I touched on this. Uh, oh. Revelation, check out Revelations to see the, the threat. The condition of the church is more than superficial. Okay. Ah, here's one. Religion and false doctrines. Pastors sugarcoating the word of God to keep members. And if they don't stop, they all going to hell. <laughs> Whoa. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I wrestle with this. Because when we talk about sugarcoating, the word of God, uh, we all do that. As a matter of fact, most preachers, and I can talk quick as I've done this, uh, we understand that a large portion of our congregation, our members, cannot stand to hear what's really in the Bible. They've been brought up with Sunday school lessons that have been sugar-coated. They've been brought up and regurgitated. The preachers have regurgitated these these lessons over and over and go and over. So they are still babes on milk, as as the author of Hebrews writes. You know they are not able to have, handle strong meat. It's too much for them. I I, I share this. You know when I went to the Black Nonbelievers uh, fifth celebration, fifth anniversary celebration. I was amazed at the number of former clergy who were there, those who had renounced Christianity altogether in, in, in religion. Some hadn't renounced religion, but they renounced Christianity. And I can understand that. I, I really can. I really can. And I, I sympathize with some of those who did, who have done so. But the biggest thing I learned is that those persons who left the faith, left religion, left so after reading the Bible uh, without religious eyes, without the Sunday school interpretation, without the uh, preacher's interpretation. My biggest pet peeve is for members to tell me what, I, and I hear, I hate hearing this, but I hear it too frequently. You know, pastor says such and such. My pastor say. This is what pastors say. And I'm like, have you read it for yourself? I, a dear friend of mine got upset with me because she was she was uh, really passionate about something and gave a scripture 
uh, no, she was she was uh, trying to tell me about this sermon that a pastor preached, uh, and she like you need to get this. It's really powerful, you know. It's really, 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 really powerful, and it's fresh revelation. And I think you'll, I think it'll be a blessing to you. I said, okay, I listen. I listened to it, and I said, you know what? First of all, he started off wrong because the scripture that he used, he did not even care to put it in context. And just because of that, you know, I I couldn't listen to anything else he said because he didn't start right to begin with. And she was like, well, you just hating on him. I was like, no. I mean, I, and we went through I said, now, let's go. Let's find the verse. We found the scripture. And we read it, and I said, "Now look, now let's read, let's read it in context, not just not just the way he said it, but let's read it in context. Now, does that make sense? What he said, does that make sense to you now that you're just reading it as it is? It's like, oh no, it doesn't. I said, so why, why, why are you letting yourself be fooled like this? He's like, well, because he a man of God. And I was like, no, don't just take what it, what those persons say. And I tell my members this." Don't just take what I say as it, as it's final, because I'm, I'm not infallible. I'm not inerrant. The scripture may be, but I am not when it comes to interpretation of it. And that's the biggest problem, you know. We interpret what we want from the scripture. And people know this. You can use the Bible, quote, just about anything. Quote scriptures, but just about anything. I, I, I've heard why those quote scriptures, right? I've heard people, <laughs> and we see it all the time, folk know certain scriptures to use. But the biggest one is Jesus wept, of course. <laughs> my point, my point is, um, we 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 have been cheat as pastors. We cheat ourselves. We cheat ourselves, and we cheat our members by when we don't fully. Study to show ourselves to prove with workmen or work women unto to God. When we don't take time to allow the Holy Spirit to instruct us on how He wants us to hear from Him and to speak for Him, it, it, it's a very dangerous job. When we put this, you know, the more I reflect on this question, uh, what's the greatest threat? The biggest. It's a dangerous job for. For persons to allow the pastors to be that become their sole authority for scripture, it's a dangerous thing. Even and I'm not just talking about pastors, but even as a pastor who who is a want to be academic, if I get all of my information just from scholars who write academics, you know they they write academic books. And then I'm saying, well, I'm sticking to this dude. And then I don't venture out and say, okay, maybe there's more, you know. I and and I had to learn that, you know, those those who those who study know that you don't just go to one source. You know, this is how I was taught. Maybe I'm, you know, I could be wrong, but when I was working on my thesis and, and dissertation, you know, you you find sources. And, and then you you go back and you see how many times those sources were cited in other sources. You say, okay, okay, so this person referenced this person, this person referenced this person, this person referenced this person who referenced this person who referenced this person, 
and then you can validate. You know, you can you can have a greater uh, greater bibliography for one, but a greater sense, a greater awareness, a greater a greater perspective on what you're trying to trying to say. Most preachers don't take the time to do that, and most church members don't take the time to do that. And I had to tell folks, and I, I I had to learn this myself. Don't rely on your Christian bookstore to be your only source of information. Some of those books are self-serving. You go to the Christian bookstore, and you know you go to the Christian living section, and you have those. You have other authors and pastors, and I'm like, look, most of these who are writing. Uh, are, are just regurgitating other stuff. You know, they're saying it in a different way. It's the same thing, saying in a different way. And there's nothing wrong with that because I've done that. You know, I, it's a it's an unwritten preacher rule that, uh, you know, you can preach somebody else's sermon and you don't have to give them credit. <laughs> and uh, my, uh, one bishop always like to say, after he hears a good sermon, and said, well, I'm gonna make sure that that the first time I preach it, I'm gonna say Reverend So and such such and such said. Then the next time I preach it, I'm gonna say I heard a preacher say. And then the next time I preach it, I'm just gonna say it and not give anybody credit. <laughs> it's funny, but you know that's how we do. We rob and steal gladly, you know. I I. I couldn't tell you the number of times we all practice plagiarism by borrowing other people's sermons. Not directly, but I've heard some people preach sermons directly. And I had to, I had to rebuke a minister I was training. He got a sermon off the internet, read it word for word, and then tuned up and preached. And I said, "Sir," I said, "Son, you're gonna have to sit down." I made him sit down, and he got mad at me. And I told him, I said, "Look." If you're going to get a sermon off the internet, at least practice it. Make it your own. Don't just read it word for word because everybody knows you ain't went to school and you're using all these big words. I mean, there, there, there are many other things. Some people are divided on the issue of homosexuality. And some people are saying that that is the greatest threat. I don't see how that is a great threat. I do see, however, where our lack of tolerance it can be a, a, a great threat. By tolerance, I mean I'm not talking about we just put up with but, it, you know, we, we've been intolerable and unloving for so long in the church. We preach hate. We preach, and just like the comment that I read where you know, some people have already declared that we're going to hell. Some people are going to hell. And I understand that. I used to teach that, and I got nowhere with it. I, I got tired of condemning people to hell. I I don't know. You know, I, I've always got asked this question. What if a person confessed on their deathbed? Can they go to heaven? I was like, I don't know. That's between them and God. I doubt it that God would deny them. But then again, if God ordered their step, if we believe God is sovereign, is God is all knowing and all present and all powerful, then that moment when they make that decision or state 
publicly, then that's already been preordained. Uh, my dad and I were having this discussion this morning about um, uh, people losing their salvation. And he, he said, well, he don't know if they will lose their salvation, but he questions if they were ever saved at all, if they renounced their salvation. And, and I was like, well, I, I don't know. I mean, when I question the sovereignty of God, I'm like, well, how it kind of falls into this idea of the elect. Who is the elect? Who did God predestinate? You know, if God predestinated only a certain people as those who have reformed uh, Christianity to believe, though most of Calvinists and things of those persons who follow along those lines, they believe there's only elect. Then who is the elect? Like Jehovah Witnesses believe there's only 144,000 getting in. Then who's the 144,000? If you got more than 144,000 in your membership, they, <laughs> somebody ain't making it. Who is your membership? Who is that going to be? So we have to get away from that. But we really, really, really seriously have to deal with our issues as a church. And because there is no direct leader, Jesus is the head of the church. He's not here. And when he told Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail, he wasn't specific on what the church would look like. Matter of fact, he even said there are some who are not in this fold who are with him. So, you know, this idea of unifying the church is wonderful. The problem is we have no idea what a unified church looks like. The threat is internal in that we have gotten away from the foundation of the church. The foundation of the church is not the building, is not the pastor, the personality, the prophet, the gifts, the anointings, all of that, any of that. That's not... That's not the foundation. The foundation of the church is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus the Christ. That's it. That's all we should preach. Like Paul said, I preach Christ and him crucified. And if anyone else preaches another gospel to you, may he be damned or cursed or whatever the word is. When we preach Christ, not self-help, not temp. Not 10 steps to get this. Not 10 steps to be happy. Not five ways to love your wife. That's all good. But in essence, we need to preach Christ and him crucified. We need to preach the resurrection. Then on top of that, we need to live resurrected lives. I'm not talking about just pious lives. There are a lot of uh, great people who have great piety. They are wonderful when it comes to piety, but they have no connection, no relationship, no no conversion. That's what we must put up. That's what we must put out there. All these comments, uh, in, all the other comments are well, you know, but again, we're the greatest threat, the internal threat that comes from us, the church. Until the body says to the body, we must, we are in need of the physician to heal us. The great physician will heal us. And Jesus, in his own words, says, a person who is not sick does not need a doctor. But those who are sick are in need of a doctor. I came to save those, seek and save those which are lost. 
And that includes the church today. The church today in the West is very lost. The church in America is very lost. We are in dire need of a physician to heal us. But it is what it is. It is what it is. I'm excited. As we go into Black History Month next month, we'll be recognized. I celebrate it all throughout the year. I don't wait for February. But next month, as we go in, like I said, I'm excited because one is our month for observing the birth of the founder of the African Methodist Episcopal Church, uh, Bishop Richard Allen and his wife, Sarah. But it's also a way for us to recognize recognize um, what we've done as black people. Uh, I'm going to be doing something different at my church next, next month. We're going to be doing, instead of Bible study, we're going to be watching films that directly relate to the church. Uh, three films in particular that we'll be watching. The first one is called, uh, uh, what is that? Uh, Contradiction. It's, uh, it's a documentary by Jeremiah uh, camera, and uh, he's going to be on the show. I I, I forgot what day. Uh, not forgot what day. We have we're working on getting him on the show to talk about the documentary contradiction, and it deals with uh, why is it that in the midst of having so many black churches uh, saturate black communities, why are black communities not uh, as prosperous as they could be? So we're going to be showing that that documentary, and we'll have him on the show. Uh, also discuss that documentary and his books. We're going to be showing uh, a documentary, My Alpha 21. If you're not familiar with that, that's uh, that talks about uh, the black genocide of abortion is happening in the communities. Uh, of course, you're not aware blacks uh, statistically have the highest rate of abortion, and abortion meals are statistically geographically located in or targeted towards uh, low-income communities and uh, women of color. To bring that to our attention, um, it doesn't matter if you're pro-life or pro-choice. This is just something that all should be aware of. You know, the founding of Planned Parenthood and Margaret Sanger and their eugenics movement and things of that nature. So we'll be showing that uh, that documentary also um, and there's another one. Left my lost my lost track of it just that quick. Uh, oh, Black Church Inc. is the other one. And Black Church Inc. Uh, talks about the church in modern, the Black Church in today's uh, society, and what it has morphed into from its initial beginnings as the civic and social and religious center of the Black community into what it is now. Just whatever it is. So those are something we're going to be doing here at New Bethel AB Church in Jackson, Mississippi. So you're, wonder, you're welcome to come out and, and join that. Join us for that. Um, also, let me put in a quick plug. If you're in the Jackson, Mississippi area on in, next month on February the 5th and the 6th, uh, that's a Friday and the Saturday, uh, Prophet Brian Karn will be in Jackson. He'll be returning to Jackson, Mississippi uh, for an encounter. And uh, I admire this young man, Brian Karn. I, I do talk about him, uh, but I admire him. He's going to be here in Jackson, Mississippi at, um, what's the name of that 
Church, the Epicenter Church. And you can probably go to uh, the Epicenter Church and find out more information. Website uh, on Facebook, you find out more information about that. I'm sure you can go to Brian Carr Ministry, he probably has it listed also. But uh, I want to take this time out to invite you to that event. That's going to be uh, February 5th and 6th. Uh, February 5th is the night service, and I think there are two services on that Saturday. So if you, you're in the Jackson Metro area or close by, it's in driving distance from where you are, come out, and you may be blessed. You may get what you need from the Lord. Uh, not saying that you can't get it without him, but you, know, <laughs> you may come out and be blessed. So Also, uh, I want to invite you to uh, New Bethlehem Church. We will be hosting our Men's Day celebration on uh, for, uh, Sunday the 14th, which is Valentine's Day, and our speaker would be uh, the Hines County Sheriff, the Honorable Victor Mason, so at 3 o'clock p.m. on Sunday, uh, February 14th. Come out and be blessed. I'll be just putting a plug in uh, while I have a little time out. And also, um, get a chance, this is all the archive shows for, for this show. Go back as far as you can and visit my website, LorenzoTNeal.com. And go to the store, order a copy of my book, Breaching the Family. Uh, it's a wonderful book. I'm hearing so much feedback on this book now that I've, re- I've revised it. It's been revised and expanded. And I'm telling you, it's a wonderful thing. So you go to LorenzoTNeal.com, order your copy today. Or go to Amazon.com. Or if you have a Kindle, it's on Kindle also. So get your copy. You'll be blessed. So much going on. And hopefully, Lord wills, next week we'll be back here with another opportunity to share. And like I said, every time I get a chance to do this show, I'm grateful. And I'm thinking not, Robert, to go back and check us out, listen to the archive show, visit our 